To show you how easy it is to file a claim with GEICO, we hired a nature show host. In the native habitat of a suburban driveway, the poor victim of a broken windshield is left assessing his vehicle utterly helpless. Well, not true. If he's got GEICO, he can file a claim online, over the phone, or with his handy mobile app. But like a lone gazelle, he'll suddenly be left to fend for himself, awaiting his terrible fate. Nope. GEICO will assign him a designated claims team to help him out, too. So the gazelle gets his car fixed and everything. Wow. Nature is so cool. GEICO. Great service, without all the drama. There's a monumental shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up. Turnover is rising. Salaries are increasing. Hiring is tough. And burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now. Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 77 of Get Out of Rap. Today I'm joined by Michael Sherwood, who is the head of digital experience at Atom Bank, and I'm sure he's known to, to many of you in the contact center uh, world. When I was looking at this and putting it together, because believe it or not, there is some preparation, um, I had a look back through, and me and Michael, we, we met in 2017 judging uh, for the CCMA um, National Awards. And Michael was one of the first people I sent a message to in 2019 saying about the podcast, and it's taken 76 episodes to get, to get Michael on. Um, so I'm really pleased he's here. He's a, he's a great guy, a good friend of mine. Michael, thanks very much for coming on. Hey, thank you very much for the invite, Martin. It's great to uh, eventually get the time to catch up. I hope you will, but thanks very much for inviting me. Can you believe it? 2017, we met. The world is a different place then, wasn't it? Yeah, it certainly is. It's been quite um, quite a three or four years, hasn't it? I mean, certainly the last two have been uh, quite challenging. But yeah, I remember the day vividly, um, walking into that meeting room and seeing your big smiling face and thinking, right, OK, we're going to have some fun here. But, uh, but yeah, it's, it's really great to be on the show, Martin. Thanks very much again for, for asking me to come along. No worries. We did have a great day, actually, that day, judging, didn't we? I remember you, um, you cracking me up because we had to do, didn't they want to do some filming? And uh, they were asking you for a little soundbite, and then you, they finished it and said to you, um, yeah, if you could just do that again. He said, I can't remember what I said. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, back in, back in those days, you know, it was... Uh, yeah, I'd less experience in front of the camera. Put it that way. Yeah, it was uh, it was one take or nothing. <laughs> so, yeah, well, I'm still like that now. Yeah. It's, thankfully, technology does record it, so they can go back and see what you said. But once I've said it, it's gone, never to be seen again. Um, so you're synonymous with Atom Bank, and I think you as a person definitely fit that kind of the the bank the bank and the brand it's a great it's a great seems like a great place to be and we'll get on to that but I just want to start with where did this all start for you can you sort of take us through your your career yeah sure sure um so I'll, I'll start from the beginning so I've got a degree in architecture and design history which kind of figures you know I spend a lot of time kind of looking at data and some of it um, what's happened in the past, and then using that insight to to design new experiences. Uh, but that's that was kind of my, my my passion for for understanding the history of design and the history of architecture. And and I, I left university, and like most people, you know, I had quite a lot of debt, and I fell into, and I, I really do mean fell into a into a job in in an outsourced con- contact center in Hartlepool called CJ Garlands. That was my first ever ever job. Um, and if, uh, it was my ex-girlfriend's um, uh, brother's girlfriend got me the interview <laughs> and uh, said, why don't you just go down? And, you know, that was when call centres, you, you know, were brand new, really. Um, and there was quite an aura about them, I can remember, mm. you know. So it was kind of the move away from from bank going into bank branches and telephone banking and and call centers were really taking off i thought right okay that sounds good all right so i went along for the interview and um, and got the job 
and it was working on the Vodafone Connect account, um, uh, answering uh, customer service queries to to retail customers. And that's where my kind of you know passion for contact centers really really started. And I spent um, eight months or so uh, taking phone calls and. Um, you know, then moved up into a team leader role. I thought, hey, okay, I'm really enjoying myself here. I'm getting to meet some great people, speak to customers. Uh, and somebody said, oh, there's a team leader job coming. Do you fancy having a go for it? I was like, right, okay, and, and got the job and uh, ended up uh, lead, being the team leader of the team that I was in. So, <laughs> so, so that, was an, that was an interesting one. It was like, right, a, okay. I, love, I love it when that happens. What were you like then? What kind of team leader were you like? Um, well, I was, I was quite um, as as I am now, you know, wanting to deliver the best service that we could, um, and to be the best that we could. Um, I'm often asked, kind of, where does where does customer focus, your customer focus, come from? And I've got a stock answer for it: is I think you're born with it. Um, I think you're either, it is pretty black and white for me. You're either customer focused or you're not, right? And and I was just, you know, born that way. I've always been a bit of a people pleaser. Um, and uh, that kind of transitioned through into helping customers. And and that that was the, the mindset. And I guess that's probably the main reason that I got the job, right? Um, but also I was, you know, pretty good with, with people and, yeah. and had the respect of my team. So... So yeah, I was. I had high expectations. I wanted to do right, the right thing for customers, and because it was an outsourcer as well, you always had to get that balance between um, getting out of rack and <laughs> uh, and making sure that you answered, you know, the, the right the, the right number of phone calls, but also made sure that you you did it in the right way and delivered good service so that they didn't call back. It's a definite. It's a great proving ground, isn't it? It's somewhere great to start because I don't think you're ever going to find an industry where you have to deliver a great job in a certain amount of time where everything is kind of cutthroat, isn't it? It's everyone's competing. You've got to be competitive, but you've also got to have that customer customer focus. Yeah, absolutely. And the te- I've spoken about this before and it teaches you. I mean, I was, what, 20 early 20s 21 22 um you know you know nothing when you're 21 yeah. 22 you've not got a clue about anything yeah. have you but what it so yeah. what did it it taught me about um being empathetic it taught me about how to solve problems it taught me how to prioritize um taught me how to deal with different individuals you know i had some people in the team that were naturally customer focused and some that weren't and how do you manage that and how do you coach and um how do you uh, until, until i became a team leader i just thought everybody thought like me in the yeah. main yeah you know um and then you gradually realize that nobody thinks like you and everybody thinks differently and you know and then adapting your leadership style and so it was just a great a great ground and a great place like i say i fell into it but i feel really fortunate that that's the way that's the way it happened. Um, I wouldn't, I wouldn't change it for the world. And I actually recommend people now. You know, if if you're not quite sure what you want to do, you know, great grounding is to is to go into a contact center and speak to customers and become a team leader. Um, because it doesn't matter what you do in the future, it'll give you a great grounding in many ways. I, I couldn't agree more, especially that point around. The belief that the realization rather that people have totally different outlooks, mindsets, motivations to you. That was a big shock for me and led to a lot of frustration because you just, I would assume people wanted to do the same as me, be the same as me, and being that team leader and realizing, oh, this person really doesn't care. What am I going to do? (laughs) What am I going to do now? (laughs) This person isn't like me. Exactly. And there was one person I remember who remained nameless in my team um, who, you know, used to answer like over 100 calls a day. And they were kind of lauded for being, you know, because it was an outsourcer. Um, and then I became the team leader and I started to listen to the calls. I realised that actually, you know, getting out a rap and 
answering certain number of calls per day um, wasn't the be all and end all of being a customer service agent. <laughs> Let's put yeah, it that way. I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> I had someone in my team that was, I really, they were so cold with me. It was an old, much older person. So I was like you, sort of early 20s. Um, this person was more than double my age, been their ages, and I just thought, I'm going to I'm gonna crack you. And I remember just kind of trying different tactics, going in, trying to initiate different ways of talking to this person, just in the hope that there would be some sign that this person liked me. Because I think, again, at that age, as a team leader, you want everyone to like you. Um, but it, again, that was a really important lesson that it wasn't actually about that. It wasn't that person didn't have to like me, but they did have to respect me and respect what we were trying to do as a team but I do remember for for months going right okay what's she interested in how do I I I saw the horse riding at the weekend (laughs) well on that on on that note so there was another lad on the team who again will remain nameless who's a really good mate of mine and actually when I moved company he actually came with us but um and I'd no HR training at all (laughs) <laughs> and this this one lad who was a little bit younger than me um was just being a right pain in the neck all the time just chipping away you know all the time yeah. right okay i'll show this for him. he's he's might have been promoted but i'm gonna you know i'm I'm gonna make him work for his this new salary that he's got and anyway i, I was same as you right how am i gonna tackle this you know i thought well, i can't ask anybody because you know you're supposed to know it all aren't you and anyway um he pushed me over the edge one day and um, I actually asked him to come off the phone um, and took it upon myself to take him into the call centre manager's office who wasn't in and gave him a verbal warning <laughs> <laughs> without anybody there, no documentation. Nice. And I just said, right, I've, I've, just, I've just had enough of this now. So I'm now giving you a formal verbal warning <laughs> little did i know that it was anything but formal um yeah but uh that just shows you how wet behind the ears i was but, um, I think you but have great to, days you have to go through moments like that to understand that actually knowing your hr policies is a bit of a ball ache but it's really important because i i was like you very similar took took a guy into the office drew on the whiteboard i just split the white this manager's whiteboard in half right and wrote um, help or hinder yeah and I said uh, I'm not I nearly mentioned his name we're still connected he still messaged me on LinkedIn I, uh, which one are you in and he went what do you mean and I went in me trying to do what I'm doing with a team and serving our customers wh- which one are you in he went definitely help I went you are definitely not <laughs> I, said, I, can't, I can't have you in hinder you're a pain in the ass mate so what can we do to get you into help? And it was just, yeah. I think you'd sort of find these things out, don't you? Mainly yeah. through frustration. Just, just blunder through, just blunder <laughs> yeah. through. But yeah, just really, really great time. So that, so that's kind of how I started my, my career, I guess, in call centres. And then uh, moved to another outsourcer, uh, which was um, uh, over over in Peter Lee, County Durham. Um and it, it actually became NPower or NPower's first contact center. So, um, but I was I was asked to, to go and and, um, and and be a, a team leader in, in the, the gas and electricity uh, part of it was an outsourcer, Virtutel it was called, and um, it had like a number of different clients and, and stuff, and one of them was Calatex, um, and yeah another another really funny story is i was i was in training and it was my first day and uh going through you know meter readings and all this kind of stuff and anyway i'm concentrating and there's a knock on the training room door and it was the md um, a guy called andy phillips who um, god rest his soul recently passed away uh, through covid actually um and he and andy was in his pinstripe suit was knocked on the door, opened the door. Uh, Michael Sherwood, can uh, can I have a word? I thought, well, the hell, I've only been here a day. Like, what does he want? And and anyway, pulled us up to his office. He said, uh, right, you, you used to work for Vodafone, didn't you? I said, yeah. He said, right, we've got, um, we've just landed a new contract today for Vodafone. We've got to set up a, an outbound 
telemarketing operation for them. Um, and I'd like you to be the team leader. Uh, what do you think? Yes. All right then. All right, no problem. Let's uh, let's give it a go. And then a lady called Wendy Golightly came in, who was then the operations director. And Wendy, again, brilliant person. She said, uh, "Right, okay, we're going to go build this system from the, the ground up, end to end, outbound. We'll get a list. We have to go." And and it was just fantastic. I was there for a couple of years. You know, built built the team up, uh, got it to about 35, 40 people. Um, and then Empower came in with an exclusivity uh, deal on the entire building, so we had to serve notice to to uh, to Vodafone. And of course, that was uh, not not. I didn't take that news very well, let's no, say. And, yeah. uh, and and then off I went. And then I moved to to Orange. I was up at Orange at North Townside. Uh, was there for a couple of years and set up their or helped set up their uh, small business unit. Um, and again, you think, wow, back back at the time, small business customers were, were answered in, in retail customer services. Yeah. So there wasn't a dedicated kind of small business area. So I was recruited to, to help set that up and run the call center. And then uh, I moved, I was there for a couple of years and then I moved to DGL Group. Um, as a, uh, again, I was the first person, literally the first person through the door and set the site up in Sunderland. Uh, me and the then associate director, a guy called Paul Clark, um, set the call centre up in, in Sunderland and built that from nothing to kind of three, 400 people. Um, we launched 22 different white label schemes um, for BGL, for the likes of Marks and Spencers and Bradford Bingley and what have you. And, and I ended up running, running the site. So I was there for four and a half years. Um, and then from BGL, I then went to Tesco Bank. Um, and I was with Tesco Bank for five years and did all kinds of stuff. But again, startup, uh, again, this was moving uh, existing customers away from RBS and building a new general insurance business from, from scratch. Um, I worked on the program on a number of different things, but predominantly on the work stream to, to find the call centers. And um, I was tasked to go around the country and find um, find a, a, a new contact centre building for this new general insurance business that we were building, and um, yeah, so I went off on my travels uh, with a lady from IBM called Breda Walsh, and uh, went all over, and I couldn't find one that was kind of a hundred thousand square feet in the timescales that we had. We went everywhere, went to Liverpool, went to Bristol, you know, and uh, and I said. Well, is, is, is Newcastle's not on this list. Is there anything in Newcastle? And uh, went back and said, well, go and have a look at Newcastle then. And went and have a look at, at Newcastle. And, and um, Quorum, A, where Tesco Bank's call centre is now, had just been built, the first building. And, um, and yeah, they weren't even on the list. And then they said, right, OK, we'll go, we'll go to Newcastle. And, um, and yeah, they've now got, what? 800 and odd people working wow. there and it's one of the biggest sites in the in, in the region so so yeah loved it at tesco absolutely loved it at tesco and then i moved um from tesco to uh, virgin money where i ran their um sales and, and service contact center for for mortgages and savings um and also so back into operations um and then and then on to atom and i've been at atom for nearly six years so that's it that's my career in a, in a nutshell I, I love it there's so much there's so much in there to um to unpack and some great some great stories there's a theme um there that i just wonder and i don't expect like an absolutely nailed on answer but it seems to me that as well as just being someone that's just jumped at these opportunities and it's testament to our industry right um there's a theme in there about there's a lot of startup activity there's a lot of things where you've been asked to right from the word go right that kind of very first knock on the training room door for people that are listening who are going to be given these opportunities this chance to start things up 
how what would you put your success down to or what would you say is important with a mindset when it comes to start because it doesn't have to be build me an 800 seat um call center it could just be we want you to do this new project or we want you to take on this new team or these are all new activities right and you've been a great success at them what would you want to share with people who will find themselves in the same situation uh, I think if there was one piece of advice that I could share, which hopefully is meaningful, is that attitude is everything. It really is. So um, if you're presented with with an opportunity which can, and, and you haven't got the experience behind you to know, you know, step by step how to do this thing, um, sometimes that could be a scary place, right? It can, it, it can make you feel anxious. It can make you, you know, fight or flight type thing. But only like on reflection am I saying this, you know, even though I was pretty scared and thinking, well, what the hell am I doing here? I just went, yeah, let's have a go. Let's, you know, what, what, what's the worst that can happen? Um, and just had a good attitude and, and, and thought, right, okay. And I was positive and, you know, wanted to make things happen and, um, you know, just got people involved. And I guess that, that enthusiasm, that passion, um, uh, kind of then rubs off on people or rubbed off on people and then it just kind of snowballs but I think it's all underpinned actually by by wanting to do the right thing mm. by by customers right and and also if you just take Virgil for example Andy had just knocked on the door and I wanted to do, to do right by him you know so that yeah. he's he's shown a bit of faith in me right well I'm going to repair that then yeah. You know, I'm going to do the absolute best I can. Um, uh, and, and I think that's all you can do is that if, you, if, if you've got a good attitude, you try and be positive, get over the fear and uh, do the right thing, then the chances are uh, and do the best you can. And if you fail, you fail. Right. If it doesn't work out, it doesn't work out. But um the, the the vast majority of times in, in my experience if you've got that kind of mindset then you, you won't go far wrong love it love it i feel all motivated now after that <laughs> um so you've arrived at atom bank and is it safe to say that um by this point in your career you're you're moving more into uh customer experience or you said something to me that this digital experience is that was that from the outset when you joined Datum, or were you still? Is it still operations? Where, where were you? Uh, no, I'll have to rewind actually because te- I started to to get into kind of experience design and voice of the customer back at Tesco. Okay. So although um, it was a startup and a setup and and it was kind of a build operate mature type situation, um, I did get involved in a lot of things. So I, I set up the technical referral unit from scratch. Uh, help recruit, write job descriptions, recruit, um, you know, the the heads of department and there was some target operating model stuff there, as well as finding the building. It was like, right, let's go and fill it with the right people and and get the thing operational. So there was that, but it was a conscious thing for me. I didn't actually want to go and get directly involved in the operation. I ended up running the technical referral unit, but only because that needed to be done. And also my outsourcing experience as well meant that that needed to be done. But what I wanted to, to do was very um, deliberate, actually, which to, to get involved in uh, stopping the phone ringing is probably the best way I could describe it. I, I had a lot of experience answering the, the queries, yeah. Yeah. but I was like, right, how? let's understand how and why the phone's ringing in the first place, and then how can we use insight to improve the system conditions so um, i spent a lot of time at tesco i loved it at tesco great organization great people brilliant framework spent a lot of time at tesco retail as well so and and obviously tesco with club car it's an insight driven business it always has been um and 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 got the opportunity to start implementing voice the customer type uh solutions so i introduced a post call ivr um, started to get feedback from the troops on the on, on the phones, set up demand capture teams with the guys up in Glasgow, um, and and got into that whole continuous improvement voice of the customer piece there. Um, I also um, got involved in 
uh, the, well, I helped write the business case for introducing web chat. So, and, and that was right, right in the early days, pre one of the first first organisations to introduce a digital channel. Um, and then, as, you know, we, we introduced a knowledge management system and built that from scratch. Um, so then started to tie the two things together in terms of, he's the data and the insight that's coming in about the customer and then using the internal comms and knowledge management system to, to communicate to, to communicate that and to try and influence change. And then from that, we start to set up little continuous improvement teams um, and, you know, gradually optimizing this new operation, big operation that we built to try and reduce fairly demand and, and ultimately reduce cost and improve the lives of the agents because they were dealing with less um, less problems from customers. Yeah. So, so that's kind of where it started. Um, and then, uh, so very deliberate to, to, I read the tea leaves a bit with customer experience and voice of the customer quite early on and, and kind of, you know, carved a route out in, in that space for myself. Um, and, you know, did that for three or four years and ended up, um, the I didn't realize you liked me that way deal because it's one thing to receive McDonald's, but an entirely other thing to know that they woke up early to face the world and bring you McDonald's breakfast still hot in the bag. Appreciate you. There's a deal for every morning. Now grab two loaded sausage burritos for only three bucks. Prices and participation may vary. Single item at regular price cannot be combined with any other offer or combo meal. Ba -da -ba -ba -ba. Uh, winning uh, customer experience champion award at the at the CCMAs um, back in fourteen, I think it was twenty fourteen, for that work. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it was it was looking at general insurance customers, and um, you know the big questions I was asking was you know why are we charging loyal customers more than existing customers and that kind of stuff um and kind of you know you know really driving that tough conversation internally is that you know uh this doesn't feel quite right and you know tesco is a, is a really customer focused organization so let's go change that and um yeah my boss nominated me for uh for for an award angela jameson um and and ended up winning it so, and and that's where the whole kind of customer experience type thing began and and then and then from there I, I, I moved over to Virgin Money um, and again great, great organization but I was I was only there for about 18 months but I was back in the operation mm. uh, and although I enjoyed it it was like I was just doing some of the the, the stuff that I'd done before because it worked yeah you know measuring the right things good coaching and what have you, and, and did work on, I, I, I was responsible for, you know, Facebook and Twitter and learned a lot about social there. So I wouldn't change it for the world and work with some really good people, but it was just, uh, it was just, you know, it was it was a bit old hat. So it was it was time to, to, to move on. And I did put invoice the customer stuff and all the rest of it, but yeah, and then Adam came along, it was like, right, okay, this is, this is this is exactly right the timing's right it's start up uh use my digital experience use my operational yeah. experience and put it and kind of start to put it all together how does um for those listening how does dx then differ from cx or does dx include cx yeah so i was initially recruited as head of cx um so it was kind of the customer experience i guess across the bank um, but it was, uh, as described, it was setting up the fairly demand capture and getting all that, that thing going and building the voice of the customer program. Um, and, you know, did that for a couple of years in terms of continuous improvement optimization. Um, but then I was asked to, to pick up user experience um, as part of my, my responsibility to put, you know, the voice of the customer and the actual, you know, main uh, vehicle for customers to 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 bank with us, which is the app, together, um, and and for me to kind of own that, not just provide information and to drive 
changes in, in, in through the app, but to actually own the journeys within it. Um, uh, and again, it was something I was like, right, okay, yeah, let's let, let's go do this then. Um, and then we continued to optimize. And I was also then asked to pick up uh, responsibility for visual design. Um, so a visual design is kind of, a, for people that, that aren't aware, is just the look feel of the app. So I'm responsible for insight and intelligence, customer insight and intelligence, the actual app and the journeys themselves. Um, but also how they look and feel in terms of, you know, the, the user interface, the UI, as we call it, but also the brand and the look feel of the brand. Um, and, and it all just, just came together, really. It, you know, some of it was by design, some of it wasn't. It just kind of happened again. Um, but it just made complete sense. And then, you know, the, the whole human set of design piece was taken off, which, again, for me was just, uh, it wasn't really a thing. It was just something that I'd always had within me, which is understand what matters to customers. And uh, rather than make those things better, it was design things to meet the needs kind of thing. Yeah. So, um, and that's when the whole, and then I'm also responsible for the look, feel and design of the website. So um, that's when the whole digital experience thing came together it wasn't just about customers it was actually about the channels that they use um, and the design and improvement of those channels uh, which is where the kind of dx piece comes from um, so so yeah and, and and that kind of then extended to all lines of business so our business banking uh, retail banking our internal systems um and the, the design of those um, to make sure that they're easy for, for our guys on, let's say, in the operations to use. And um, so, yeah, and, that, that's, and, and then that then leads to other things, which is, right, so how do you take some of these principles around um, understanding customer needs and then designing to meet them through into, into propositions design and product design? Um, and yeah, that's that, that. That I guess is is brings us right up up to date, which is um, the journey we've been on at Atom is is just been you know exhilarating, um, uh, a roller coaster, uh, uh, really really hard. I, I mean, I'm a bit of a sucker for it now. It's like five <laughs> yeah. startups in a row, but um, yeah. <laughs> but. You know, some are some are more difficult than others, depending on what you're trying to do. And and, and Atom's just trying to to change the industry. Uh, our our vision or mission is to change banking for good, good in inverted commas. You know, like forever, but also, you know, for good for the right yeah. reasons. Mm. Um, and and using new technology and and. Some of that technology had never been used before. I mean, you know, when Atom started, banking in the cloud wasn't a thing. You know, it didn't exist. Um, we were the first uh, organization in the UK to introduce uh, biometric security in an app before Apple. Yeah. That's which amazing. is quite a thing yeah. before Apple. So, and, and so, you know, that provides opportunity, but it also provides challenges because it's never been done before. Um, so yeah, it's just, you know, just a, a really, really fortunate and I feel really, uh, humble to have, have had the career that I've had so far and to work for such a brilliant organization, you know, it's and what just, is, what is, um, because I, like you, um, I'm sure you'll agree that the, the experience that you give your employees determines to a, some extent the experience that your customers get right so in all the interactions i've had with you and from sort of viewing things from afar it seems you you recruit and and therefore have attracted a certain type of person into atom bank because i love this kind of what you're talking about is like positive disruption right is looking at uh, an industry and going how can this be improved for the customer so you've got that baseline of doing it for the customer but for the for the employees at, at Atom, like like yourself, what makes what is it about Atom? What are the kind of 
um, that makes it that makes it different? What's it like to work there? Um, I think well, it's a bit of a cliche, but it's the truth. It's the people, you know, above anything, and the the mindset of those people, and the passion and the beliefs that they have. I think you know, not everybody wants to go to work to make a difference, but everybody or the vast majority at Adam would do so because they wanted they wanted to change the banking industry. I think everybody that that worked that was initially recruited, you know, I was one of the first first hundred people there, um, had come from financial services and knew that, you know, there was some things that weren't, but when we're in the midst of the financial crash, you know, me, and I'm certainly not alone, we knew that there was some things that were going on from the customer's perspective that weren't right, mm. you know? And then, you know, Atom was founded on a really simple principle is that, you know, we want to put a, a bank in your pocket. But also, um, not only could you kind of bank using your mobile or your tablet, but also that it would be built for the right reasons and it would be, be built to serve customers. Um, and, and banking's really, really simple, right? You know, um, it makes money by taking savings in, saving deposits in from customers at one rate, interest rate, and lending them out to other customers at a higher interest rate. Right, and it makes it makes a profit. But the problem with incumbent bank banks um, or traditional banks, if you like, in inverted commas, is that there's a bit in the middle, which is uh, really costly, inefficient, transactional, legacy, mm. um, usually current account based. Right, it costs a lot of money to have a current account type bank. Uh, because you need massive call centers and there's lots of transactions going through and there's lots of complexity and what have you. Um, but Atom was designed to not have that bit in the middle. So it could take all the benefits that come with fintech, which in the main, again, is really simple, right? It's about using technology to build something that is super efficient and therefore super cost friendly. And then you can pass that value on to customers. So the Atom business model is, is super disruptive, but super simple, right? Is It builds a really efficient banking machine, which doesn't have all the operational overheads and costs that a traditional current account-based incumbent bank would have. And it then flips the banking model on its head and it uses that efficiency to give better rates to savers, higher rates to savers, and lower rates to lenders, right? I just want to repeat that again. The usual banking model is the other way around, <laughs> yeah. right? It charges yeah. savers as little interest as possible, gives them as little interest as possible, and then charges lenders higher rates as possible to pay for the inefficiency, right? It's passed on to customers. We don't yeah. have any of that, so we've flipped it on its head completely, right? So, so that in itself is a very, very simple you know, notion to grasp, but is really, really transformational, mm. right? So when we mm. talk about changing banking for good, that's what we mean, you know, as well as building products and services and experiences that are built back from customers directly. But it, if, if you put those two things together, a banking model which delivers value through efficiency and really great experiences that are built for customers, then you have Atom because... Um, not only is it uh, great for customers, but also it's great for shareholders because we've just made a profit, our first monthly profit. So, um, uh, and, and, and then it can be self-sustainable and we don't rely on on, on capital from, from investors. So um, that's what is different about Atom. Um, but this, this, uh, this, this change in banking for good then, does that mean um, that you see increased customer loyalty so that people feel like they're part of something as opposed to it being a i like my bank but it is it's just the bank i've had for forever so it's a bit more transactional whereas do you have do you have your customers feel like they're they're part of this new movement i'm not sure the they feel like they're part of a movement because we we, we haven't really we don't really describe it to our customers in that way. What they experience is a digital experience, which is really super simple, 
yeah. that anybody can use um, that delivers great value uh, and better, you know, better, better interest rates. And then, you know, the, the, some people initially when we first started, you, you know, it still happens now, you know, um, a lot of customers have never kind of banked, saved digitally. And it's yeah. talking about the life savings here, right? So, mm. um, some people will 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 go and try it because they're early adopters. But then those early adopters start to talk to other people about it, and right, and then you know the, the reputation starts to grow. Martin Lewis starts to talk about it, and then all of a sudden, you know, customers are like, well, well, I'll give this a try then. But all the all the feedback we get is about ease and simplicity mm-hmm. and good value, um, and and that's what then attracts customers. Um, and also, you know, Martin Lewis, you know, gives us a shout out every now and again. And, and Martin Lewis is the voice of the customer, yeah. you know, ultimate yeah. in, in many in, in many uh, people's minds. So, so that's kind of that's kind of how how it happens. And then, um, yeah, then the thing just starts to grow and starts to snowball, and um, and, and that's how we built built the business that we have, really. And that's some achievement, isn't it? For the for you to be disruptive, to go from startup to now being um, profitable, like you say, with it with it flipped in reverse to what the norm is, that is some achievement that you guys have achieved. Yeah, it's it certainly is. But when I'm, we're in petty with, we're just getting started. Yeah. <laughs> so you know, we're still only you know five and a bit years old. Um, We've yeah we we're now moving into into growth phase and start to grow the business. We've got the foundations in place. The experience is really good, um, but our ambition is not just to be really good. It's to be you know the best. Um, and also, there's lots of uh, the, the kind of you know the, the, the change of banking for good. I mentioned this kind of it's dual purposed. Um, you know, one of the things that we're talking about at the minute, and and one of the things, this is my personal opinion, is that, you know, I'm I'm troubled by the kind of buy buy now pay later piece. You know, um, if you if you if you look at Instagram and the you can have it all kind of magnification of wealth, and you know, uh, uh, you then combine that with you know, really easy, easy credit, really easy credit. Um, that doesn't sit well with me as, as somebody who's worked in the banking industry. Yeah. You know, for for, for twenty five years because I've seen it before, right? I've, you know, we've all we've all seen the Wongas and what you know. It, it's just the recipe doesn't sit well with me. So, uh, from an atom perspective, you know, I flip that on its head again. Save now, buy later. Right. Uh, and how do we how do we um, design products, savings products and experiences so that it it makes it easier for, for people to save, particularly younger people, you know, because I think the pull to spend is much bigger than the pull to save. Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, but that's by design. Mm-hmm. Right. So but what if we could design an experience, a savings experience that was. Uh, connected to you in your life that you know you almost saved through inertia let's say so they're the kind of things that we talk about you know under changing banking for good um how, how can we we help your know, younger generations save more um rather than want more get you know short-term credit driven by aspiration um Maybe where we will, there's a bit of an antidote to that. Antidote's probably not the right, the right phrase, but you know what I mean. Yeah, I'm bought. I'm, I'm a hundred percent bought into this because I think there's something around. Um, I might be verging into a little bit of not maybe not politics, but um, there's something in this kind of the portrayal of materialism and gaining things. It, it's it's often the disadvantage that are penalized in that sense because this the buy now pay later or fee charging atms and things like that even if you just look at that they are distributed disproportionately in lower income areas and that kind of thing really does disturb me a little bit about future generations and what they're if you if you're doing something that says 
work or through inertia save and then buy something and it's if you want to get something it's going to mean more to you I'm a hundred percent behind that because I think it's it's really important it's it's genuinely happened I was walking into a supermarket the other day and there was a lad with his dad and he must have been five or six that's all and it's a it's a it's a throwaway innocuous little comment but it did make me think his dad was saying to him it's your birthday coming up soon what do you want and he said, I want a credit card because I can get loads of stuff without pay paying for it. And it was just, it just it made me chuckle. But I, I just thought, how, how has he even got that thought in his, in his, in his head? Um, so any, if this kind of changing banking for good, I love that as a, as a tagline because I wish certainly, um, like you, I left uni with, with, with debts that kind of followed me around longer than the learning from what my degree was followed stayed in my head and if we can do more to educate people around educate children around finances and have banks that talk to them in a way that they can use it easily and it's as, as attractive to save as it is to, to kind of borrow then I, I love that yeah well that's you know that hopefully gives you a a flavour for for the you know the reason that I, I I do what I do and the reason that I work work at Atom. Um, I think your question was, was you know kind of try and bring that to life and, and and explain why you do what you do and what's so good about it and it, it really is you know the purpose in, in combined with with the people that I work with you know um, I feel very fortunate. With your expertise in um, digital experience, customer experience, where do you? What are the things that you think people should be? The key things that people should be thinking about. It seems to me that you've got this. You have some fundamental views on what it what it should be like for customers, and people kind of get too complicated or veer off that and make things strange for customers what what are the things that for you are the are the critical the critical points of delivering good digital experience i think you know right at the start is is the voice of the customer program um and you know it happened it started with an excel spreadsheet in the contact center you know working with the, the troops on the phone to understand why you know, our friends and family beta were ringing us, right? And then using that information to feed back to say, right, okay, we need to think about this and might want to tweak that and et cetera, right? And then it's it's grown and expanded and matured across the bank, multiple touch points. Um, but voice of the customer, you know, is now, more people understand that it's not just a fad, you know, that it's, uh, it's not just marketing driven, that actually it's good business, you know, it's the foundation stone for, for everything, be it in improvement of existing or be it um, the design of new, you know. Um, but if you don't have it, you're guessing, right? Uh, and I think, you know, you you might make some, some, <laughs> some kind of inside-out educated guesses that kind of, you know, um, uh, 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 there or thereabouts with your customers, but if you've got a voice of the customer program, you don't have to guess, you know. And it seems really, really simple, but it is, you know. But you've got to be obs obsessive about understanding what matters to customers and what your organisation is doing to your customers, you know, both to the positive and the negative. Um, and then from that, once you've got that foundation stone. The rest of it is relatively straightforward because, be it you know, let, let's say let's say it's uh, if the improvement of current experiences. You use the data to prioritise, and then it's all about delivery, mm. right? So the voice of the customer mm. program is there taking over in the background. But if you it, then the focus is about change and your capability to change. Um, uh, but but then it, uh, on the design of new services, uh, it's about un understanding. You know what are the what are the needs customers have that they might not even realise that they've got, mm. and there's a there's a nuance to that. It's not about asking customers what they want, mm. you know, because you know they'll tell you faster horse that kind of thing, but you know it's about understanding the true need from a human centred 
design perspective and then design and digital experiences that meet that, that need. And the needs that have been identified that are, um, don't have a an experience or a product are the ones that kind of really, really take off because all of a sudden there's a connection. It's like, right, okay, well, that works. It's it's servicing the job that I need doing that I didn't really need, didn't, didn't really know need of doing, if that makes mm. sense. Mm. Um, and they will then become successful because they're solving a customer's problem or making it easier or making it simpler or, you know, saving them time or effort so they can get on with the rest of their lives, you know? So, so hopefully that's, you you know, explained my thinking, which is foundation stone is, is all about customer insight. And then that can branch off into two different areas, improving current or designing new. I love that. I love that. Well, this has been well worth the wait. I've got over um, my disappointment of years and years of chasing you to get you onto the. <laughs> onto I've the been podcast. busy. Well, that's no busy. excuse. But I thought we were friends. <laughs> we are, mate. We are. Thanks. Thanks again for uh, persevering. I've loved it. You just promise me you won't leave it as long before you come on again, or want to put one of your team to come on with you or come on as well because you've got some you've got some great guys there at Atom I genuinely love um uh what you do uh <coughs> excuse me I genuinely love what you do and um it's refreshing to see I think you're a great role model for for people that are listening who are out there in the call center right now maybe wanting to go into something different I think the lesson just hearing your story is have a great attitude, have the customer at the heart of everything and just go for it. So um, Michael Sherwood, Head of Digital Experience at Atom Bank, thank you very much for coming on, mate. You're very welcome and thanks for having me. Much appreciated. Cheers, Martin. Take care of it. Cheers. Time to take this submarine back up. Oh, but it's tax season up there, Captain. You know, all that stressing over taxes isn't necessary with Tax Act. How did you get... April here. To remind you that with Tax Act, you're guaranteed your maximum refund while filing for less. Beats being submerged for another month. May, Captain? To your stations. We're headed home. Guess I should probably close that window I opened. What? Kidding. Tax Act. Switch to Tax Act today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. There's a monumental shift in power at work. Employees are speaking up, turnover is rising, salaries are increasing, hiring is tough, and burnout is real. It's time to unleash growth. It's time to transform your HR from powerless to powerful. Join ADP on February the 23rd. Reserve your spot now. Go to gettheplan.adp.com to register for the Work Interrupted Summit.